I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and this is a special audio-exclusive podcast edition of our program on PBS. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other podcasting platforms. Today, I welcome to the program founder of the Sleeping Giants movement. He is Matt Rivets, and he founded this crowdsourced anti-bigotry and corporate responsibility campaign, um, and he started it on Twitter as a response to the really blatant racism, sexism, xenophobia that you could find on Breitbart and connected bots and trolls and accounts on social media. It's really an honor to host you, Matt, and I salute you for the work that you've done. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Matt, I want to just get started with the latest developments in terms of your movement, Sleeping Giants, and your effort to deplatform or unplatform sexism, bigotry, and hate online. Uh, it started with a campaign to specifically pressure advertisers uh, who would be working with Breitbart um, to not engage in uh, advertising on a platform of hate. Um, have you found yourself shifting your focus as Breitbart has become less influential? Other sites like The Federalists have emerged, spewing a lot of the same hate and anti-science misinformation now. Uh, is there a new, um, for lack of a better word, um, a center piece or um, it, it sort of a Hades of, of the uh, hate that you want to draw our listeners' attention to beyond Breitbart? Uh, well, I think that's a good question. I, I've never really viewed this as a pressure campaign. I think certainly it's been painted as such, but this really started because the, the way ads, ad, the way the programmatic ads work, which is like the, the sort of opaque system of placing ads on the internet, um, companies like Google, Facebook, um, there are lots of other companies that, that spread ads all over the internet without, without, uh, notifying advertisers. I guess they're notified now, but they start, advertisers certainly don't know where they're placed. So this really began and continues to be an informational campaign. Um, but certainly, you know, uh, it, it's been painted in a variety of different ways, some of which um, have merit and some of which don't. But um, the, the, the problem still remains. Um, advertisers are paying for the free internet. And what comes with that is uh, instead of just what it used to be, which is you place your ads in a specific show uh, on a network at a certain time and you knew exactly what that show was going to be, advertisers have really lost control over where they end up. And so what happens is they have really no idea what they're supporting in a lot of cases online. Some of the times they're placed on certain uh, shows on television, but they don't really pay attention to what's being said and they don't really understand until, you know, the heat gets turned up and up and up. And then all of a sudden um, they're sitting in a, you know, pot of water and uh, in, a, in a pot of soup with, uh, you know, carrots and celery being sliced into it. So I think they, they, they just generally don't know where they're placed and then they end up uh, getting caught in places where they don't want to be. Um, those systems are still in place. And, and I really blame, these days, uh, the platforms beyond the advertising platforms, social platforms um, are the nexus for everything from hate to disinformation. They've got very clear terms that prevent a lot of these things, and yet they're really not enforcing it, or they're at least they're not enforcing it at scale. So, 
um, right now with COVID, uh, it really puts disinformation and it, you know, it's, it's always hard. Disinformation works in a gray area. But for the first time, disinformation is really black and white. You can really tell what's uh, fact-based and what's not. And, um, and the platforms have really promised to take care of it and they really haven't done it. It's running wild now. And I'm not sure if that's just by design or because they don't want to deal with it or because they can't because the, there's too much disinformation out there. It's too hard to stamp it out. And ultimately that comes under their purview as well. They, they're ultimately responsible. It's their website and they need to be held to some kind of standard. So that's really what it's been about lately. Right. And you can find Matt's work at Sleeping Giants on their Twitter handle. Um, and Sleeping Giants describes itself as a campaign to make bigotry and sexism less profitable. Um, and, and that's what you do precisely, calling out the platforms and the advertisers who uh, are culpable on those platforms that are disseminating hate. They might be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or they may be Breitbart or Fox News. But the, the common thread here is that you've been part of a worldwide network of independent sleeping giants groups that have formed most recently in Brazil. Uh, you have 120,000 new followers for a Sleeping Giants Brazil campaign. And that is noteworthy because there is also the resurgence of far-right, uh, sexist, hateful politics in Brazil. So your network is really around the globe. And, and the collective goal is to get these social platforms to take responsibility, which they have. So there have been various stages where they have claimed that they would take account uh, where are we in that roadmap of, you know, tr pushing forward either responsible legislation or as users of these organizations, as users of Twitter and Facebook, insisting on them doing something that they haven't done yet? Um, that's really the reality here, right? Yep. And it's definitely a flashpoint. We have, we're... We've never had this before. Uh, advertisers haven't had a tool this powerful, um, but bad actors haven't had a tool this powerful either. And um, and you know we we are also just to just to mention we're also on Facebook, um, despite the fact that um, um, you know I personally disagree with with Facebook on a number of levels and think that they're not a good organization. I think that speaks to the fact that. You know, we're using these social platforms for sleeping giants, but there's almost no way around it. There's no other effective way to get your message out. And I think that's part of the, the problem. It's everyone's fighting over, um, you know, in all countries and, and everywhere that we have a chapter now, everyone's fighting over the use of these social platforms. And the social platforms, granted, might be caught in the middle of some certain issues. But ultimately, like we're, our goal is to hold them to the standards that they set out for themselves. If they want to get advertising dollars, they, they need terms of service that, that not only protect their users, but protect, um, that protect their advertisers mostly. That's what they're most concerned about. So, uh, you know, it's, they, these companies have monopolies and with monopolies comes, it's, it's a great privilege, um, but it's a great responsibility. And they wanted this. They wanted Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg wanted to have a monopoly and he's got it for the most part. Um, right. And the difference between earlier monopolies, let's say an AT&T or 
a Microsoft is that they weren't wiring into your telephone or into your computer chip um, and, and basically giving you an access point to the, the most hateful uh, blogs that existed in the web long before the emergence of, of social. Uh, so knowing that and knowing so far Facebook and Twitter's failed efforts with content moderation, and you've heard stories about now Facebook is compensating people who got post-traumatic stress disorder from having to winnow mm. through the probably loads of, of um, you know, anti-Semitic, racist, sexist uh, comments and content. Um, we know that these groups, like those who came out to state houses with their rifles to protest governors, stay-at-home orders. You know, we know that they, that Facebook groups and Twitter handles are still the launching pad for a lot of this malicious activity, not free expression, but the hate that, that kind of overlaps with the organizing of um, extremist groups. So now that we know that, that their efforts at self-regulation have largely failed. Where, where does that leave Sleeping Giants? And where does that leave you in wanting to encourage um, either you know, outside groups to establish new rules of the road that Facebook and Twitter will have to govern themselves by or legislative steps like the legislation proposed by Amy Klobuchar and Mark Warner um, where, where does it leave us now knowing that their, their various stages of self-regulation and moderation have failed? Yeah, well, we, we definitely know that self-regulation doesn't work. And, um, and you know, it's, it's tough because we're not talking about fossil fuels or, um, or, or money. We are talking about information. And so there is always going to be a war on information right now, especially. And, and these companies, you know, look, talking about this earlier, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, they were, uh, they were really good programmers and really good technologists. And they were given a lot of money at a very early age to realize their dreams. There is nothing in their history that would prove uh, that they could be responsible for how the world communicates and how and what is pushed forward and what is kept back and what is uh, acceptable and what is not. Um, these companies all hide behind free speech and free speech has nothing to do with them. They're a business and they're an advertising business and a data mining business. They have been pulling one over on our entire country and the world saying that they are that, that every issue revolving around speech is a free speech issue. Free speech does not apply to businesses. Now, when it comes to the government, um, we have uh, we have unfortunately we have um, an aging government that really doesn't understand the ins and outs of technology. And they've proven it time and time again, whenever they have hearings, uh, hearings about Cambridge Analytica, hearings about um, anything to do with what they're, what, with their business model or what they're doing, it consistently gets hijacked in a, um, I'm being deplatformed. I, I deserve a space on this too, et cetera. And, and it's, it becomes a circus. What we really need is education, um, uh, the education of our politicians, the people that are going to be doing the regulating to figure out exactly what the line is um, when it comes to data, privacy, um, hate speech, uh, et cetera. They need, to, they need to step up and figure out 
exactly how to regulate these companies. Unfortunately, they've got so much money. They're so powerful that there's that they've bought so many people that, you know, they just ignore it. And, you know, this is going to be, I think this is probably the greatest problem uh, that our country and our world faces right now. It, the information that's, that's put out on Facebook and on Twitter um, and the bots that are used and the artificial uh, amplification, th this truly affects democracy and it affects truth and it affects a shared truth. And I think we're in a, in a really horrific position right now if we don't step up and do, it, do something about it soon. So what is stepping up and doing something about it look like, Matt? Um, I think that I think regulations got to happen. And I do think I, I'm, I'm a believer in the free market. I, I, I think that um, what's been able to have what, what happens with competition is that there's a, um, a, a moral uh, code that eventually sort of, you know, that, that sort of finds its way into uh, companies when they're forced to um, when they're forced to compete with each other right now. Facebook just um, acquired another company for $400 million that owns every GIF or GIF or however you want to call it on the internet and, and, uh, and however platform <laughs> uses it. And, and I think, you know, instead of breaking these companies up, which we should do, it, Instagram and Facebook should not be in the same company. Um, AWS and Amazon should not be in the same company. Instead of breaking them up and thinking about how to inspire some real competition, we continue to allow them to um, to grow and to buy up any, any and all competitors. And, um, they, they have monopolies and we're all going to be sorry. These, these, these platforms now have more power than most countries. And that's frightening. I, I, you know, we didn't elect Mark Zuckerberg to control how we communicate. And, and, um, the fact that one company has that much power, um, is super concerning. And I, and I do think, um, the, our politicians have been looking the other way. It's just too easy to ignore for a lot of them, but I think it's going to come back and bite them in the ass if they're not uh, careful. Right. And it, it is debated and I'm not sure it should be debated anymore, Matt, that Mark Zuckerberg and, and to, to an extent, possibly Dorsey too, you know, they are extensions of extremism and, imposing that extremism on society and there are common there are commentators media critics um and even entrepreneurs who have made this connection between the unholy alliance of what facebook through cambridge analytica and and um the probing of american social media what facebook um, Cambridge Analytica and Twitter accomplished together on behalf of Donald Trump, or if not Donald Trump, his campaign, which was led by Steve Bannon, who was instrumental in the creation of, of Breitbart. And, and so I, I, I think that there is a political consolidation occurring and whether or not Zuckerberg and Dorsey believe in this sort of purist idea of free speech or not, is, is it also important for us to, to understand that the billions that they make, millions that they make every day on these platforms is contingent upon those monopolies? And so I, I don't, I've never asked you, but I'm curious how much of this unholy alliance is a function of, of Facebook and Twitter wanting 
the incumbent, in this case Trump, um, to succeed in his reelection? Um, well, again, I, I've mentioned this before, but I, I, I don't view this as a, a political issue. I think it's a societal issue. And, and whatever is going to help one candidate uh, and hurt another, it's, it's going to snap back in the other direction as well. Um, I, this, this is a, uh, the, the issues that, uh, that the platforms bring up affect everyone. And if we don't have some kind of a shared truth, if we don't understand that hate doesn't really have a place in our society, if we don't, um, understand that, uh, one conduit shouldn't be responsible for how we all communicate. If we don't really understand that, then we're going to be in a tough position, no matter what your party is. Um, they may think, and maybe just because, um, it hasn't happened yet, but they may think that under, um, our current administration that they're not going to be regulated. So th everything that they do, uh, is about avoiding regulation so they can continue to consolidate, uh, the market and their power and their money. And so they might feel more confident, um, in this current administration that they're not going to do it. Um, but, but in the end of the day, it's coming for them. And, um, they, I firmly believe that Facebook should not be give it was as much power as they have. They should not be giving money to any political party or any candidate. They've got enough money. Uh, they should not be allowed to do that. And with as much power as they have over our information and, um, any move that they make in that respect makes them look really suspect. And, and, um, whether it's left or right, they shouldn't be doing it. It's, they should not be favoring one party or another. Um, they're just too big and too important in our society at this point to do that. So, right. I don't no, know fair, fair enough. Yeah, no, I mean, we do know that the extremist sects that have emerged on Facebook and precipitated anti-Semitic, um, hateful violence, like in Pittsburgh at the synagogue, you know, we, we understand that the derivation of, of a lot of those postings is on sites where that is allowed and not monitored until after there is some kind of horror uh, and, and some kind of uh, event, whether yeah, it's Christ a... Christchurch was a good example of that. I mean, so what about your, your counterparts in countries that have required these social platforms to do more to protect the rights of users, so their privacy, but also to, to whatever extent um, the the civil society that um, exists in, in European countries, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, are there Sleeping Giants partners that have had more success in implementing firewalls so that there can be a coexistence of free speech and civil society on these platforms? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, actually just passed uh, earlier this week or maybe late last week, uh, Sleeping Giants France has actually had a tremendous amount of success. I think it's probably the most successful thing that's been done with any of the chapters, but they ended up getting um, a law written that advertisers needed to uh, show every place where they've advertised. They needed to be transparent about every site they've been on, every channel they've been on, every network, every show. Um, initially, it was they were supposed to report every month. Now they have to report annually, which is not great. Um, but uh, it's a good step. Transparency is always good. More information is better than less, especially when it comes to these platforms, which keep everything very close to the vest. 
Um, and because they, they're doing some pretty shady stuff and they don't want anyone to know about it and they control, these are walled gardens. They don't want anyone, they don't want anyone to peek inside, you know, peek, uh, inside the curtain and, and, you know, ultimately, um, regulation is going to be, uh, needed and GDPR in Europe is a really good step towards that. I think unfortunately GDPR uh, any any regulation or any law is only as good as the enforcement that comes with it. And even with GDPR, they're having trouble enforcing it. And, um, you know, we need, we need to build uh, a counterpoint to this out-of-control uh, ecosystem with these platforms. We need uh, watchdogs. We need, and I'm, you know, we're, I'm happy for Sleeping Giants to be a part of that. Um, but it's definitely more informal than it is formal. But we, we need we need our government and we need watchdogs to keep an eye on what's happening. They've grown very quickly and they've consolidated so much power in a short amount of time that we're just catching up now. I just hope we have uh, the ability to create some kind of infrastructure to keep an eye on it at some point. I put you in the category, Matt, of the Center for Humane Technology, uh, Tristan Harris, uh, yeah, and, and Renee DiResta and, and folks that she's we've had on, on yep. the show who've been um, using their, their platforms um, to support um, steps that, that can correct um, the out of control social spaces. So I, I want to leave on, on this note. Um, is there any way you envision in, in this important year, where is, you know, there is a first in the century pandemic, there is a presidential election coming up in which having accurate reporting and demanding that advertisers um, are um, transparent in terms of, you know, who's producing the ads and the veracity and and accuracy of of the content. Uh, Are there any checks in place that uh, sleeping giants and and others in the field that you're aware of uh, who've advocated for are there any checks in place um, so that these sites, but specifically, I would say Facebook and and Twitter, I guess to some extent YouTube as well, are there any checks in place that that are going to be helpful? Um, like you know, the one that can come to mind for me for YouTube is they integrated a Wikipedia um, fact check on videos on controversial mm-hmm. subjects so that people may watch some conspiracy theorists take on something, but then they'll be able to see very clearly, you know, a Wikipedia link for inaccurate um, context. So mm-hmm. are there, are there any positives that you can report to us um, in what's transpired from 2016 to this year of 2020 um, that will provide some small level of accountability? Man, I'm an optimist by nature, but I'm extremely pessimistic about this. I I think that not a lot has happened in the last four years um, that would, uh, the the edge cases have been taken care of for the most part. And I think we've had a pretty good part in that, but systemically um, not a lot's changed. And, it's only gotten worse because this pandemic has brought a, an absolute apocalypse of information, disinformation into our sphere. And, uh, and an election year is going to be not just mudslinging, but it's going to be tons of disinformation. I think, um, 
instead of taking responsibility, the platforms like Facebook is really pushing groups right now, private groups, so that uh, they people can you know advertisers can show up in those private groups, but no one else can see in and see what people are talking about, and that shields them from having to take any responsibility for what's on their platform. So anything can happen in those groups. Um, additionally, um, Twitter has got a massive bot problem, and uh, they you know it just happened to us today. Brazil launched. Um, Four days ago, they're now as a, as we speak, they're probably up to almost 140,000 followers, which is absolutely crazy. But there was a a, a campaign against it in Brazil, and um, you know, I personally have seen uh, probably a hundred tweets saying the exact same thing in the exact in the exact same way, aimed at Sleeping Giants Brazil, and and you know, you look at that; those are things that shift democracy and truth, and uh, and I don't, I know it's a moving target and they're trying their best, but until the algorithms change, until the moral center changes in these companies, until the financial incentive changes for them to actually make a difference and, and do something responsible, I just don't see it changing, especially in, in time for an election in November or uh, a pandemic to end. It's, uh, it's, it's really concerning. I, I think the Wikipedia thing on YouTube is just a, just the most minor change they could make. Uh, they, they should be changing their algorithm, I think mostly, and that's just YouTube. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy world right now. And um, I just, I don't know the way out of it exactly other than to just react to things. And, and personally find myself as a, I'm an action oriented person. I like to see things get accomplished, but these are really big things to accomplish that are going to take a lot of minds to figure it out. And as, as good of work as, as Tristan does and as Renee does and as we try to do, um, it's going to take a lot more than some people on the outside exposing some true hard truths. It's going to take some action. Right, right. And we don't know as a, as a public what those algorithms are. Um, only the folks who run those ships, uh, namely YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the, there's no public sourcing of those algorithms to understand. As technologists, they have perhaps more respect for the, the medical facts than, um, you know, the, the sort of question about safe, a safe space and, and wanting to preserve the First Amendment on their platform. So I, I guess my, my final question, Matt, is because they didn't seem actively enraged by the racism um, or misogyny uh, on their platforms. Um, do you think that um, these past weeks have, have demonstrated any, any indication that these folks, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, are going to be more responsive to the anti-science disinformation or misinformation than the hate? Uh, again, I think uh, for the first time when it comes to disinformation, it's really easy to, to divine uh, truth from fiction. Um, and that's and I also think that if 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 nothing else, I, I know that that Section 230 protects these companies from uh, from a from a lot of uh, litigation lawsuits and uh, and it, they're not as exposed um, legally. But I think they know deep down that if uh, if someone reads some disinformation about doing something unwise, uh, like drinking bleach or doing something like that on their platform and it ends up happening and that person dies, 
uh, I think I think they're they're going to be very scared about what that that uh, is going to bring for them. So I think they have been. Maybe it's a, a legal thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a maybe it's um, you know health concerns. Maybe they genuinely do care. But this is the first time where they're actually talking about um, about. Uh, actively taking measures to prevent it, they haven't done a great job at it, to be honest. But um, but at very least, they're talking about it. Yeah, and- I mean, they're talking about it, and they refuse to talk about the the kind of um, Islamophobic or racist uh, hate, uh, yeah. the anti-Semitic hate. So the fact that they're verbalizing uh, and that they're that they, step- yeah, maybe it's a step forward. Matt Rivets, founder of the Sleeping Giants campaign. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.